You know, I was, I was uh, thinking the other day, 30 years ago, when I was a young believer in the area here, uh, there were a lot of uh, pretty powerful churches in the area that were really doing significant things for the kingdom that are less than that today. And it really grieves my heart. And uh, it's also um, a real warning for me. And I've been, I've been kind of studying on this for a while. How to stay current generation after generation. And, you know, any new wineskin today is going to be an old wineskin sometime if it's not renewed. And, uh, and I think one of the mistakes that the church has often made is thinking that whatever vision God gave us today is going to be the, the vision that works 10 years from now. And uh, our vision needs to be renewed. And I heard somebody say many years ago that a vision in order to be uh, to stay current needs to be renewed every seven years. And uh, I don't have time to go into all of the reasons why the seven-year mark is significant, but it is. But I think it's true. I think every seven years, every seventh year on the Hebrew calendar, they were to let the land rest and then do a fresh planting. And uh, so that's enough of a kind of a pattern that we see in the natural because first the natural, afterward the spiritual. That's true of your own lives as well. It's true of your families. Uh, you know, you need a renewed vision to stay relevant, to stay current with what Holy Spirit is doing generation after generation. And, uh, and I think that's especially true for leaders, especially true for leaders of churches and ministries. Uh, you know, if you want to continue to minister generation after generation, so to speak, and to keep something current, uh, it's going to take something beyond uh, just running on a vision from yesterday. I grew up on a farm, and uh, I think the animals would have protested if we'd have brought out last year's hay and, and silage from three years ago. Uh, they would have protested. They wouldn't have been really excited about that because it's not fresh anymore. And so it is with the Word of God. So it is with the, with the vision from God. It has to stay current. It has to stay fresh. It has to stay relevant. Uh, Peter referred to it as present truth. It doesn't mean that all of Scripture is not truth. It means there's a fresh revelation, an ongoing vision that the Holy Spirit continues to unfold year after year. Uh, and, and you know when you hear it because it's what he's breathing on now. It's what he's doing now. Uh, it's what works now. It's the revelation that the body of Christ needs now. Uh, it's not what they needed 10 years ago. It's what they need today that's relevant. And so the message that, and, and when you look back in church history, you see that. The message changed from movement to movement to movement, there was a different emphasis because the Lord's building on what was revealed before. And he's, uh, he's revealing truth that was not seen in that way before. And, and so we have to continue to move forward with the Holy Spirit as he, as he builds generation after generation uh, in the body of Christ, in the church of Jesus. And First uh, Corinthians chapter 4, verse 15, is a very powerful verse. Uh, several verses that I want to look at this morning. And, uh, and I really believe this is on the heart of God right now. And we, we've picked it up in our worship. Um, and and uh, it's something, the theme that keeps coming up just about everywhere I turn right now. 1 Corinthians 4.15 says, Though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. Anyone's got the inter internet today knows that there's probably at least 10,000 instructors in Christ out there all over the place. So it's not, a, it's not an exaggeration in the day that we live in to understand there's thousands and thousands and thousands of people who want to instruct you in your faith and in your spiritual journey. And, uh, and if you try to listen to them all, you're going to get confused. You're going to be going in circles. 
and you're not going to know what is truth. Uh, after a while, because everyone's got a seemingly a different opinion or a different emphasis. Um, then he says, but yet you do not have many fathers, for in Christ Jesus I've begotten you through the gospel. There's a natural, there's a natural way of things. Uh, my children do best in my home, not in the neighbor's house. Does that make sense? Uh, they do the best with the parents who brought them into the world, so to speak. And it's kind of a, 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 a natural reality to a spiritual truth. And that is the people who know you, the people who've poured into you, the people who've helped you come into the kingdom, the people who've introduced you to Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father are, are the ones who have a vested interest in your life and the ones that, that the Lord really uh, is going to begin to flow some things through into your life more so than people who you don't know and you don't have a relationship with. And, uh, and, but there's this thing about fatherhood that the Holy Spirit is highlighting in the body of Christ right now that has a whole lot to do with people coming into maturity. And I, I just want you to know that there isn't, an, there isn't any amount of academic instruction that you can receive that's going to bring you into spiritual maturity. You know, if, 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 if the school could bring your kids into maturity, uh, our kids would be a lot healthier than they are in our culture today. You know that? Because they're receiving a whole lot of education. Uh, in fact, uh, there's generations of Americans today that are head over heels in debt today trying to come to maturity through education, and yet they seem to be more lost and more aimless than they ever were before. Because the issue of coming into maturity is not how much information you can stuff into your head. It's something that awakens in your heart, and your heart needs to be fathered. And, and, and there's no shortcut around that, and that's not something that you can receive over the Internet. That's something that's relational. And uh, I, I was just telling a brother this morning, you know, probably the biggest battle for me in my life has been coming to a place where I can represent Father God's heart in a way that I've always wanted to. Because God's got to do something in my heart to enable me to be able to father people. And uh, it, he says, therefore I urge you imitate me for this reason I've sent Timothy to you who's my beloved and faithful son in the Lord who will remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach everywhere in every church. And so Paul not only acknowledged spiritual fathers, he acknowledged spiritual sons. And there are sons and daughters in the, in the spiritual realm. Uh, so the concept of spiritual fathers and mothers is, is, a, is a critical one. And it's one that we have to uh, become aware of. And so I want to challenge every one of you this morning uh, that you develop, if you have not, three levels of spiritual relationships. I'm not trying to just categorize and formulize everything, but this is a very powerful concept that every one of us needs. Number one, you need a spiritual mentor in your life. You need someone more mature than you who loves you, who sees the potential in you, and will help you navigate through your own spiritual journey. And, and that, that could be a spiritual father, it could be a spiritual mother, or a combination, probably a combination of both working together. But you need someone in your life who's down the road that you're on further than you are, someone that you feel that God has connected your heart with, someone who sees the things in you that you have a hard time seeing in yourself, someone who sees the treasure, who sees the potential, and knows how amazing you are, who can begin to call out the, the, the things in you that you don't see in yourself, but that God sees in you, someone who sees in you what God sees in you. You need someone in your life who can mentor you in your own spiritual journey, you know? And I've had, I've had that and I've had those for many years. And, and I did, 
the funeral service for uh, the pastor who was a spiritual father in my life earlier this year. And, uh, and, I, and I didn't realize that my heart was crying out for something uh, more until recently when it just really became uh, real to me that there's places in my life where I still need further fathering. There's places that I, and, 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 and this is why, and I just want to put this out as a challenge to every one of us is because I never, ever want to lose my hunger to grow. That's probably the one thing that would terrify me more than anything else is to lose my hunger. Because I know that when I lose my hunger, it's only a matter of time until I stop growing. And, and I stop reaching for more, and I become satisfied, and I become content. And I don't ever want to be there. I want to continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus and in my relationship with my Heavenly Father all the rest of my life. And uh, so everyone needs a mentor. Uh, number two, you need a peer group that you fellowship with, that you draw encouragement from, that you share your struggles and your victories with. You need, to, you need to have a group that you fellowship with, that you do life with. That's why small groups, I think, have such a potential to become so powerful. Because in a setting like this, these relationships are powerful. But you can't build heart-to-heart -heart intimate relationships with several hundred people like you can with a small group of committed believers that you're doing life with. That you can share your journey with. That you can that you can pray for one another, that you can open up your heart and share what you're going through and encourage each other. All of us need that. All of us need a peer group of believers that we can link arms with, that we can do life together with. And number three, you need someone that you're discipling. Why is that important? Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. Because if I were to put that in today's language, I would say you get more by giving than you do by taking. It's more important for you to give out than it is for you to receive. You'll receive more by giving what you've received than you will by trying to just take, take, take and go to every conference and get as much information as you can. Uh, you know, I'm not against going to conferences. I love conferences, as you know, because we host a lot of them. Uh, but you can be a conference junkie and never satisfy what you're looking for. Um, but if you can begin to give out what God has given you, you can begin to pour into someone else. And, and whether they're saved or unsaved, we've got this mindset that discipleship only happens with saved people. Actually, it doesn't. Some of the most powerful disciples you could never have you'll begin to disciple before they're saved you know and if they embrace the teachings of Christ before they ever meet him that's a powerful foundation for for their faith and uh and so I would encourage every one of you uh God you've got people in your life who are hungry for what you have if you're walking with Jesus there's people in your life that are hungry for what you have Maybe I haven't convinced you yet. If, there, if you're walking with Jesus, there's people in your life who are absolutely hungry for what you carry. And once you, once you get that, then it'll be hard for you to be intimidated by a conversation again. Once you understand that when you go into a room, everyone in that room wants the relationship with Jesus that you have. Even if they don't know it. If they don't, even if they don't know what it is that they're hungry for. They're all hungry. Even if they're all looking in all the wrong places to satisfy that hunger. Everyone is hungry for a relationship with Jesus. Everyone is looking for righteousness. And that's the requirement for coming into the kingdom. Blessed are those who are hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Now, they may, they may be looking to satisfy their righteousness by, by following some religious philosophy or whatever, but everyone has an inherent need in their hearts to come into right standing with God. 
And so everyone is hungry for the relationship with Jesus that you have. And once you settle that in your heart, it's so easy to begin to share and to pour into somebody else's life. Buy them a coffee. Uh, Sit with them. uh, Meet with them. uh, Connect with them. And a lot of times we initially connect with somebody because of a need that they have. Not always. But a lot of times they have a need. They have a hurt. They have something that they just mentioned something about. And that gives you a connection point right there. To connect with somebody. Say, hey, can we have a coffee? I'd like to just encourage you. I'd like, I'd like to just uh, share with you some things that, that I've gone through. I really understand what it is that you're going through. Amen? And the reason I'm telling you this is not because I'm trying to get more members to the church. That's not why. I'm telling you that because that's what's going to keep you from getting stale and stagnant in your own journey. is by you giving away what you have. When you look at the, the uh, river of life, which is a picture of what happens in every one of us in Ezekiel 47... Uh, that river flows out of the temple, which you are. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. That river flows out of the temple to the nations of the world, to the ends of the earth, and and it's full of life, and everything that it touches comes to life, except for the parts that uh, become swamps. Those, Those are stagnant because the water is not moving anymore. Water that's fresh is always moving. Amen? And so whenever you receive life, you need to give that life away. How do you get more? By giving away what you have. That's the way the kingdom works. And so I'm, on, I'm going to strongly encourage every one of you, the things that you have learned, the things that God is putting in your foundation, the things that are making you strong, the things that are helping you come into break, share those things with other people. And, and Jesus said, A good householder is one who brings out of his treasury things both new and old. What that means is there's things that you've stored up over the years of your journey with the Lord that are truths that you will always carry. And there's new revelation that God brings you also. It's not just the new stuff. It's the stuff that God has already laid in your foundation. And so the Holy Spirit will lead you and instruct you in what to bring out of your treasury, out of your storehouse that will meet somebody's need. And sometimes it's things that you learned years ago, if you've been walking with the Lord for a while. And sometimes it's something that's fresh and new. And sometimes it's revelation that the Holy Spirit gives you in the moment. But the Holy Spirit will lead you and instruct you on how to disciple other believers, because he's all excited about it. It's something that he's really into, is leading you in the process of discipling others, teaching them the basic foundations of faith, encourage them in their journey, pray with them, and, and let the gifts of God that are in you begin to come alive and to minister through you to them. And so, But spiritual fathers and mothers are such an important part of everyone's journey. So I'm going to tell you a story at... at uh, Kruger National Park in South Africa. Uh, a while ago, the elephant population had gotten too large. And, uh, you know, when, when you get too many elephants per acre, it can get a little destructive. And so they decided that they needed to relocate a bunch of these elephants. And so uh, they were going to relocate them to another wildlife reserve in South Africa. And uh, they developed a plan to airlift the elephants to the other location. Big chopper, harness, pick them up, carry them. Exciting ride for an elephant, right? And uh, they decided that the big bull elephants were too large to move, so they would leave those behind at Kruger, and they would move the, the female elephants and the young bulls. And so they did. They put the plan in place, they executed it, and they relocated many of the females and the younger bulls. And they, soon they began to notice some troubling developments at the park where they moved the elephants to. There was, uh, in that park, endangered white rhinos, white rhinoceros, and uh, they started showing up dead with puncture wounds in their bodies, but with their horns still intact. 
And so they knew that it wasn't poachers that were killing them. It was something else. And they were puzzled. And, uh, and so they set up surveillance cameras to find out what was going on. And uh, they were amazed to discover that it was the young bull elephants who were going on rampages. And they were destroying and killing in apparent rage anything in their path, not just rhinos. These young bulls were devastating the wildlife in this reserve. And they're like, what is making them act this way? They've never seen that before. And so they started processing some different possibilities of things. And uh, so they developed the theory that maybe it was uh, the lack of the older males that was leaving the younger bulls without an example and without discipline. And so they beefed up some harnesses and they made arrangements to relocate a few of the older bulls. And within a few weeks, the wild and violent behavior of the younger bulls stopped completely. The older bulls gave them an example to follow and showed them what behavior was acceptable and what behavior wasn't acceptable. That's a powerful story. These older bulls showed them how to be elephants. That story is what has happened in our nation. Not only has it happened in the nation, it's happened in the American church. It's become fatherless. A culture that doesn't honor the older fathers and mothers in the body of Christ will become a dysfunctional culture. Much like what we're seeing right here in the American church. We've so elevated youth. We've bought into the, the values of Hollywood. And we've elevated young, good-looking preachers that can captivate a crowd and look good in skinny jeans <laughs> and get a lot of clicks. Listen, uh, the internet is not a good value to build anything on spiritually because clicks don't build relationships. And something that can get you millions of clicks can leave you absolutely devoid of spiritual maturity and powerful relationships that raise up sons and daughters. And, and in the broader culture in America, the same is true. But I believe that the church is the incubator of culture. What is born in the church becomes a reality in the larger culture. What is birthed here reproduces in every other realm of culture. And so the answer has to be birthed in the church of Jesus Christ. And so instead of older spiritual leaders being turned out to pasture, well, we don't need you anymore. You're over 40, you're over 50, whatever it is. Uh, we want somebody that's young and good looking to lead us. Uh, Someone who can, who can bring in bigger offerings and all of that stuff. Uh, you know, this, there, there's something that I've noticed in the business world. And that is a lot of business decisions in a lot of these corporations are now made by bean, what I call bean counters. The bookkeepers and the accountants. They're not smart, frontline business decisions anymore. They're made by somebody who's holding the purse strings. And the only thing that they really care about is short-term profits, not the long-term health of the company. Does that make sense? And a similar thing has happened in the church. Instead of thinking about the long-term health of the church that Jesus gave his life for, uh, we become more aware of what's going to draw a crowd today. And those are not kingdom values at all. And there's, so there's such a hunger that we're beginning to see in the body of Christ for fathers and mothers. 
people who love you, people who see the potential in you that you don't see in yourself, and who can actually help you come navigate through the pitfalls, uh, around the, the trouble spots, and through the, the times of testing, who can encourage you, who can pour vision into you, who can, who can help you come under the discipline of the Holy Spirit so that you can grow up strong and powerful, not just navigate the easiest way possible. Does that make sense? And there's such a hunger for that in the body of Christ. And you know what that means? That doesn't just mean that you need to be fathered. That means you need to become fathers and mothers to a generation that doesn't have fathers and mothers today. That means every one of us have a very powerful assignment in the body of Christ today to come into maturity so that you can raise up sons and daughters yourself. You don't have to be 60 years old to become a spiritual father. You can become one of those at 20 if you come into maturity. Does that make sense? Because it's, it's what you allow the Lord to bring you into that you can then help others to follow after you, to follow your example, to be inspired by your courage, to be inspired by your hunger, and to seek after what you're seeking for. And th- those things are so critical and so powerful today to the body of Christ. Every one of you needs to be able to become fathers and mothers in the body. We desperately need you to grow into places where you can mentor others in the faith, where you can bring them under. And it's not, like I said, it's not, it's not just about how much you know. We don't want you to be ignorant and not, not learn stuff. That's not what I'm saying. But it's not just about what you know. It's about who you are. It's about that you love somebody enough to be, be willing to gather them in and encourage them and pray for them and to, and to lift them up, pour vision into their life, let them know how powerful they are. Could, there, could it be that there's more to the honor your father and mother so that it may be well with you commandment than we realized? Let's look at it in Deuteronomy 5. Because I believe this comes home to us in the body of Christ today. Deuteronomy 5.16, honor your father and your mother as the Lord your God has commanded you that your days may be long. Why are we seeing so many Christians drop out? Are you seeing what I'm seeing here? Could it be because we're not being fathered and we're not being mothered in healthy relationships that help us stay in this race for the long haul. So that your days may be long and that it may be well with you and so that you may prosper is what it's saying in the land which the Lord your God is giving you. There's a spiritual land of inheritance that God has for every one of us. And if we're going to grow, if we're going to have longevity, if we're going to be able to not only start well, but finish well, we need to honor the fathers and mothers that God brings into our lives. And we need to be willing to become fathers and mothers to further generations and to allow a generational blessing to begin to build in the body of Christ again. And I think it's one of the greatest detriments of the church that we have a lot of older pastors and leaders who have been retired and made to believe that they're irrelevant just at the time when they have the major contribution of their life to give. Friday night when Jean shared her story, it was so powerful because here's a mother of the faith pouring in to all the lives of the younger women who were here And there's just an electricity in the room when that happens. Because they're seeing someone who's navigated through the pitfalls, someone who's been in there for the long haul, someone who's who's known and seen what God can do, encouraging them to rise up and allow the Lord to do those things through them. And it's such a powerful opportunity that we have to become the fathers and mothers that we need ourselves. Amen? Many of us have not had the best examples of fathering in our own lives. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands because this is not about humiliating everyone who's not done it well. And for too many of my years of the years of my life, I didn't do it well. 
Because you can't give something that you don't have. And I praise God that he brought me to a place where he was able to connect uh, my heart uh, with some things that I wasn't capable of connecting with before. But I have a burden for every one of you to become powerful young fathers and mothers in Christ or middle-aged or older ones, whatever age that you're at. And it's so critical. And you may think, well, I'm not sure that I have that much to give. Yes, you do. You've, you've got uh, the ability to give to younger people your faith in what God can do in them and through them. Your, your ability to let them know that they have what it takes to endure, to come through every test, every trial, every shaking that they go through, every hard thing, and that God will see them through and link arms with them and encourage them. Every one of you have that opportunity. And, and whether you're a, a, a man or a woman, either way, it doesn't matter that much. But you, every one of you have the opportunity to bring somebody else into a mentoring relationship and just support. Don't get controlling. That's not what it's about. Some of us are still running from people who tried to control us. Is that right? That's not what it's about. It's not about trying to control somebody. It's about you pouring life and faith and courage. You know what encourage means? It means to impart courage. When you encourage somebody, that's literally what you're doing. You're imparting courage to them. You're letting them know they have what it takes to do it. And they're not alone. And they can do this because you're going to be there to root for them and to cheer them on. Amen. The same things that you wished you would have had growing up is the things that you need to be willing to pour into other people. Even if you weren't fathered or mothered well, you can do that for others. Even if you weren't fathered and mothered as well as you would have liked to have been, you can, you can, be, uh, you, you can be better than what was done for you. Uh, my, my wife and I made a decision long ago that we want our children to experience more than what we experienced ourselves. And that's not an indictment against our parents. They did the best they knew how with what they had. But it means that we want our children to have a better start in life than what we were able to have. That they don't have to fight through some of the things that we had to fight through in our spiritual journey and in our journey through life. Did we do a perfect job? By no means. But, but we were able to give more than what we was given to us because they're able, our kids are able to build on our foundation. Now, there's a certain truth to that. Let me, let me back that up just a little bit. That doesn't mean that they don't have to come into their own spiritual foundations. They do. But they can build on uh, a generational legacy, a generational foundation where they don't have to learn everything the hard way that we had to learn the hard way. Does that make sense? Because we can, we can pour into them what we experienced in our journey so they don't have to start in the same place. doesn't mean that they don't have to get saved the same way we did. They do. I'm going to read to you a few verses from Malachi chapter 4. And, uh, you know, we like to read just the last two verses, and I'm going to read the whole chapter because uh, it's only six verses long, but it's very powerful, very relevant. These are the last verses in the Old Testament. And I think it's becoming very evident why these verses are so important. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, and all the proud, yes, all who do wickedly, will be stubble. And the day which is coming shall burn them up, says the Lord of hosts. They will leave... That will leave them neither root nor branch. But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Now, in some of the grace movement, you know, has actually taught that we don't need the fear of the Lord uh, because we shouldn't be afraid of God, etc. And fear is not of God. And perfect love casts out fear and all that. I know all the arguments. Uh, what I'm saying to you is a healthy fear of God is something every one of us need. 
And, and, and am I afraid of God? Absolutely not. I'm not afraid of God. I, I love Jesus. I love Holy Spirit. I love God the Father. There's nothing that, that I'm afraid of. But I would fear their displeasure if I started rebelling against them. I would fear what would, even more what would happen to me if I turned against the Father that I love. I, have a, I would fear what would happen to me if I lost my hunger for more. And I've already shared some of that. That's probably the biggest, the biggest thing that motivates me in my life is I never want to be in a place where I lose my hunger. I don't want to be there. It's not something I go through life with a fear of, but I, but I understand when I look around and I see all the people who've dropped out in the race uh, who lost their hunger for God. That's a place that it would terrify me to be in that place. The thought of being there, and I don't want to ever be there. There's something in me that's passionate about growing and, and finishing well, not just starting well. And so th there's, there's a, a healthy fear of God that every believer needs in their life that keeps us motivated towards righteousness, that keeps us motivated towards growth and hunger for more. But to you who fear my name, the son of righteousness will rise. And, and uh, verse 3 says, You shall trample the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day that I do this, says the Lord of hosts. Then he says, Remember the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. So the law, the statutes, and the judgments. You know, there was... Ten laws. There was hundreds of statutes. And there was judgments for violating those. Now does God go around passing out judgments to everyone that displeases him? No, it's not that way. But because he set laws in order... There are judgments that we bring on ourselves when we violate the principles of the kingdom. And I'll give you an example of that. Before the law was ever given, when Cain killed Abel. And, uh, and it was time for, for Cain to be judged, right? And what did the Lord say? I'm going to judge you because he said, no, the earth will no longer yield its strength to you. His judgment came from the earth because he violated one of the laws of the king of, of, of creation when he shed his brother's blood. And so there's all kinds of spiritual laws and natural laws that have been set in place that when we violate those, we bring judgment on ourselves. It's not because God's going around getting mad and judging people. That's not the point. Then he says, Behold, I send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of that great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. It looks like the whole issue of fatherlessness is a pretty important deal. It's, it feels like it's really, really important for fathers to take their place. For their hearts to turn toward the children. And for the children's hearts in turn to turn to the fathers. And it could be that we're seeing the violence and the anarchy and the lawlessness in our culture because of a lack of fathers. And maybe we can actually become part of the answer instead of just pointing a finger at the problem. Wouldn't that be something? Maybe every one of us can come to the understanding that we're here and God's not done with us because we have something to contribute yet. No matter how old we are, 
we still have something that we can pour into somebody younger. We can still gather in someone who needs some encouragement, needs some fathering, and let them know that we believe in them and that we see treasure in them. Not because we're lying, but because we're allowing the Lord to show us the potential in them that, we don't, that they don't see in themselves. And that there's, there can come a generational blessing in the world that we're connected with, at least, instead of a generational curse because of fatherlessness. Because ultimately, what fatherlessness represents is the absence of God the Father. And that's never blessed. really wish I knew how to close this. I feel like it's unfair to give a message like this and not give an opportunity for response. So first of all, for the men here, if you're here and you're willing to step up, be a father and become a father. I'm going to invite you to come to the altar and I want to pray with you. Father God, you're the only one who knows all the stuff that we've struggled with. Because of places in our own lives that weren't fathered the way that you would have wanted them to be fathered. So first of all, we just want to give those things to you. And today we choose to forgive those who didn't father us the way that they should have. We choose to forgive and to release them and to bless them because we realize that in most of those cases they did the best they knew how. So we let go of our judgments against them. We ask you not to hold it against them. We ask you to forgive us where we didn't father the people, the younger ones in our lives, the way that we should have. Where we've cultivated a performance mentality rather than a relational mentality. Where we've just approved people because they performed in a way that was pleasing to us. We just lay that down. We thank you, Father, that you've never done that to us. You've invited us to come just the way we are, not to come through our performance. You even blessed your own son before he'd done, accomplished anything in ministry. You said, this is my beloved son. This is my son that I love, and I'm so pleased with him. And I ask that you would shift something in our own hearts so that we would operate out of that same value. And we're presenting ourselves to you and asking, Lord, that you would use us as fathers in the lives of those younger ones that come around us. Our own children, naturally, and also spiritual children. We're asking, Lord, that you would bring an anointing on us 
to raise up powerful sons and daughters to you. We're asking you to touch our eyes so that we can see in them what you see in them. Holy Spirit, would you empower us to operate on levels of faith beyond anything that we're operating out of, out of now. And any of us that have made peace with where we're at and haven't been hungry to grow, we ask, Lord, that you do something deep in our hearts to stir us up and that you would restore hunger. And that younger ones would want to follow us because they see a hunger in us that they want in themselves. That they would see in us a desire to learn that they want in themselves so that we can teach out of our own learning. So that we can release a desire and a hunger to grow out of our own hunger and our own desire to grow. And I ask for every one of us, Father, that with all the sons and daughters that come around us, that we would recognize that they're first your sons and daughters. And we're going to value them, and we're going to honor them, and we're never going to cross lines of healthy communication and healthy relationships with them. That we're going to always keep in mind that we're going to stand before you and give an account for what we've done with lives that have been entrusted to us. That we're never going to violate them, cross lines emotionally, sexually, or any other way. But we're going to keep our hearts clean and pure before you. Help us to always represent you well, Father. Help us to represent your Father heart. And we ask that you would use us to raise up a powerful generation of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers of reformers, of business people, of teachers and educators, of media spokesmen, of political leaders who will represent the heart of the Father in every realm of culture that you've created them to serve. And that there will be an invasion of kingdom life that's restored back into our culture. And Jesus, you transformed the world through 12. There's many more than 12 here this morning. And I ask that you would convince every one of us of our ability to change the world that we live in by representing your Father heart. And we thank you for doing that for us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, guys. Love you. Thank you, Lord. Women, I don't want to leave you out because it's absolutely critical that you're able to become the mothers that you're called to be. I felt like the crux of this was for the fathers, but I want you women who are willing to make the same level of commitment to stand, and I'm going to pray with you as well, okay? Father God, I thank you for powerful women of God.
Lord, when I think back and some of the women that you used to change my life, I'm so, so grateful, so grateful. And I ask, Lord, that you would raise up powerful mothers in this place who represent the mother heart of God, who can nurture hearts, bring them alive. who can raise powerful daughters and sons. Who cause hearts to awaken. Who can nurture the young believers in such a powerful way. For the older ones who can teach and mentor the younger ones. All those things that only women can do that powerfully. We just bless them. And we ask, Lord, for an outpouring of, your, of the mother heart of God into every one of these powerful women. That not only would they be mothered, would they be fathered, but they would become powerful mothers in the body of Christ. That they would not wait until they themselves reach some level of maturity that they thought they had to before they can begin to pour into others but they would start right where they are by pouring into others what they've received themselves. And I just, I just see some of you women becoming relentless. Coming relentless. I see the Lord putting a tenacity in your hearts that you are going to pour into others what you've received yourselves. Uh, whether it's uh, in, your, in your job, your, the neighborhood store, the, the, with your neighbors, whether it's in a... Uh, a stylist salon or where, wherever it may be, I just see, I see women pouring into others, maybe even quicker than the guys do, because I believe the Lord's really connecting something in your hearts this morning that you recognize that maybe some of the very areas that you've been battling and trying to battle through yourself, that you'll receive a greater grace because you start pouring into others. And so, Father, I just bless that this morning. And ask that you would raise powerful mothers in this place. And that every young person that comes into this place or that comes into every sphere that's represented here would be powerfully mothered and fathered in the things of God. And we bless them in that journey and in that process. In Jesus' name, amen.